If you open your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 15. Last week, Jesus told us that we are to count the cost of becoming a disciple, of turning to Christ, of becoming a Christian. Now, that may have left some of you thinking that Jesus didn't want people to come into the kingdom, that Jesus didn't really want people to submit to him. He was making it seem really hard. Remember I said that though it's free, it will cost you everything. Today, he answers this hesitation. Now, I've been looking forward to this chapter for at least six months. Um, It's one of the most well-known parables in all of the Gospels. We're going to be looking at the parable of the lost sheep, and if I have time, the parable of the lost coin today. Now, it's important to note about all three of these parables. There's one after that is the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. Uh, All three of these have the same point. That that it has the same outline. They all have some something or someone that's lost. That that person that has lost it seeks it. That possession is found, it's celebrated, and then it's given a theological explanation. Today, if we have time, we're going to go through at least the first two of these parables. That's a big if. Um, if you would go ahead and stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 15, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 10. I've entitled this sermon, The Joy of the Lord, part 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in an open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or, what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a camp, lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I have lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of God that stands before us today with authority and the full weight of God's word. Let's go, Lord, and pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We pray that as we come to you, as we seek your face, as we see that which brings joy to your soul, Enjoy all of heaven. I pray that you would reveal it by the power of your spirit. And that you would you would reveal it to us. Guiding us into your presence. It's in your precious son's name, Amen. Last week I told you about our vacation from uh, Yeah, about our vacation. And the first day I told you we had lost our two dogs. They ran away. Well, Chelsea really wanted to have a dog. And so she was, Titus loves dogs. 
And so she wanted a puppy that we could train that might not run away. So on Tuesday, she got a, I agreed, and she got a puppy. Uh, Great Pyrenees and Border Collie. We got her on Tuesday. Yes, and he does bite. <laughs> on Tuesday morning, we got them. They were all away at, at a farm getting pumpkins, and we surprised everyone when they got home. Well, Tuesday was also Chris's birthday. So we were busy getting all of that together. Um, and at, towards the end of the meal, I looked out at my phone and I had two missed calls. One call was from a guy that I had met up at Rough River. And so I called him back and he said, I think I have your dog. I said, well, describe him. He said, it's a goldish red dog. And so he said, what's its name? I said, Buster. He starts wagging his tail. I said, all right, I'll be up there in two hours. So we've now gone in 12 hours from zero to one to two dogs. Well, I hang up with him. Larry, I hang up with Larry and I look down at my phone. There's a missed uh, Facebook message that was from someone I had no idea who it was. So I open it up and I look at it, I accept it, let them send me it. They said, I think I have your dog. <laughs> they sent me a picture and sure enough, it was Sadie. <laughs> so in 12 hours, we went from zero to one to two to three dogs. And I went up and got, got them all. Luckily, we had a good sized backyard with the fence. Uh, if I had read this and prepared better for this, sermon a week before, maybe I would have been the good shepherd who went out and found the dogs until I, as long, and searched them until I found them. But I was had no luck. Uh, go ahead and turn and look with me at Luke chapter 15. The first thing we're going to see is the context. The context. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners. And eats with them. Now, this is going to be important for all three of these parables because all three of these parables can't be ripped out of context. They all have to do with these two verses right here tax collectors, publicans, and sinners were being, were being brought in and were coming to Christ. And these Pharisees and scribes were furious about it. See, they had, a, they had a theology that they couldn't be around anything that they thought was sinful. They couldn't be around, they couldn't even put their mind in the place of being someone or something that was sinful because they thought that was getting too close to the line and they're, in their legalism, they thought it was just wrong. They thought it was terrible, it was awful, it would make them unclean. And so they were grumbling because Jesus, even though they didn't like Jesus, they, this Jesus who was coming claiming to be the Messiah, claiming to be the Savior of, of the Jews, was doing the exact opposite of what these Pharisees were doing. He was receiving sinners. You see, it, uh, one of the commentators wrote that Jesus was after people that no one else wanted. The tax collectors weren't even allowed into the synagogues. They were not allowed into what modern day church would be. Because they were, they were so put off. They were so outside. The tax collector, if you remember from when I talked about uh, when Matthew came to Christ back in chapter, I think, 6. The tax collectors were Jews who betrayed their own people and went and sided with the Roman government and would collect taxes for them. And typically they would collect more taxes than they were supposed to, stealing from their own people. So the accusation that what Jesus has was 
has accepted and received was was that Jesus accepted and received sinners. And perhaps we're going to see. Yeah, he did. He did. He doesn't shy away from this. And in these three parables, we're going to see that's exactly what he tells them. Let's look at the first one. First, we're going to look at the parable of the lost uh, of the lost sheep. And the first thing we're going to see is lost. That's the first step in this in this parable. It says verse three and four. It says so. He told them a parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them? I'm just going to stop there. It's in the middle of verse four. Shepherds, we have to understand a little bit of the context of this. To understand a good parable, we, we can't just bring it to life for us today, bring it out of the Bible, bring it to us. What we have to do is we have to take us and bring it back to the Bible days. And so shepherds were the lowliest of low in the community. They had a reputation for being rude. They had a reputation for taking all of their flock and going wherever they want on anyone's property and letting their, their sheep graze. They were belligerent cross and crude. The, the, what would happen is each in, in Jerusalem, they have all these little communities. And every community would have a bunch of sheep. They were, they were herdsmen. They, they raised sheep to grow the wool and for the meat. Uh, and so they would raise these sheep. And each family would have typically about 5 to 15 per household. Well, they would they would take the lowest in the community, those they, they thought couldn't do anything else, they'd make them the shepherds for the whole community. And so this, these shepherds would then take all the sheep from all this little town, that even though they were the lowest in the town, they were still within their own people. And so they would, they would at least trust them a little bit to watch after these sheep. And so they would take all of these. So what we're dealing with here is this shepherd, the lowliest of the people in the community were watching over all of this community's sheep. And so the, the Pharisees see it and they say, but they, they have a problem. So after they, Jesus says, I'm going to tell you a parable. He says, what man of you? Now I just told you the Pharisees didn't even like to get their minds in what they perceived as sin. And so these fit, when Jesus tells you what man among you having a hundred sheep he's saying what man among you being a shepherd now the Pharisees right off the bat would have said whoa wait a second I, you can't call me a shepherd and be like today saying whoa wait a second you can't call me I don't even know what job would fill in the blank there but I don't know someone that goes into the sewers I mean it was the worst of the worst job that they wanted to stay as far away from as possible. Now here Jesus is putting, placing the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious re- leaders, the religious elite into the position of a shepherd. They didn't like it. It was offensive to them. But the question is posed nonetheless. As we get to the second part of this parable, the question is posed, what man among you, it's going to be the second part is sought. What man among you Having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. Now, this is the normal job description. This is the normal job description. Oh, it is. I couldn't see it on here. Sorry. <laughs> it's green, so it doesn't show up on the side. That's on me. Uh, this is a normal job description for the shepherd. They, they had to make sure they kept the sheep. 
They were watching after a whole bunch of people's sheep. And if they got away, they already were looked down upon. They weren't trusted. If they got away, the shepherd had to go at least get evidence that the sheep had died. They had to go get evidence, or they either had to get evidence of the sheep, whether it's wool or leg or whatever, and bring it back as proof. Otherwise, they would have to pay for the sheep themselves. This was their job. You, you, your job description is to leave the, 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 the herd with the, the other shepherds, and this shepherd goes after them and gets them. If a sheep were, were to go missing, the shepherd would have to bring back proof. You have a picture of this in Joseph and his brothers. What did they do when Joseph was, they, they were trying to get rid of Joseph? They, they put him into a pit and sold him into slavery. What did they do then when they went back to Jacob? They brought, his, they brought his robe, dipped in blood, and said, is this your son's? That's exactly what the shepherds would have had to do. So once they, they, they lost the sheep, they have to go. It would be the honorable thing to do, even though these are shepherds we're dealing with. This would be the honorable thing to do. And the Pharisees, being the pious, religious sort, they would, even if they were going to have to be shepherds, they were going to be the best dang shepherds they could ever be. And so they would say, yeah, of course we'd leave and go after them. Why wouldn't we? That's the most honorable thing to do. The, the problem is, is that sheep have no defense mechanisms. They're among the stupidest animals that were ever created. They have many, many predators. And e e this one kind of threw me for a loop. You're going to have to ask the nationals about this one. But if they had a full fleece and they fall on their back, they can't get up. And they can even die if they don't roll over. If they can't, the Tesla doesn't roll over. And so these, if a sheep leaves, you're talking about someone's property, about someone's livelihood, about this, this animal that continuously gives wool time after time. And the, the, the amazing thing here, as we read through scripture, is that even though they're among the stupidest of animals, guess who we are compared to time and time again? It's the sheep. Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray, everyone to his own way, and yet he is placed on him, Jesus, the chastisement for us all. Or we can go to John 10, which Crystal, not Crystal, I'm sorry, which uh, I'm drawing a blank here. <laughs> Lindsay, thank you. Someone, I'm sorry. Ms. Lindsay read earlier, uh, said, says that I am the good shepherd and my sheep hear my voice. So those sheep are the stupidest of the of the animal kingdom, we're it. <laughs> we're them. Uh, so at this point, the Pharisees were all in agreement. They agreed that absolutely, if they had to be a shepherd, they were going to be a good one. They were going to be one of the few that actually did their job really well. They were going to be the one that went and sought and looked as hard as they could to bring that sheep back. It goes to our next point, found found. Verse 5. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. Now most of us, if we were searching for a sheep that had run away, who knows how long it took to find them. We had risked our own life because, and limb because you go out, there's predators out there. There's people that were going to try and attack you. There's uh, there, there are people that were going to try and rob you. 
there are burglars out there. When you finally find this lamb, you'd be relieved. But joy? Think about that for a second. You've now left the 99 because out of obligation, most of these shepherds, out of obligation, because otherwise they'd have to pay for this sheep. And you find it, you would have been relieved. You would have been happy. You would have done what I did with the dogs when I, find, when I went to get them. You might have grabbed them and pulled them a little harder than normal to get them into the van. Right? You would have been really frustrated. But this shepherd doesn't do that. He lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. Now just to put it in perspective, the average man back then wasn't a large man that we see today. The average man back then was about 130 pounds. And the average sheep was about 60 to full-grown sheep was 60 to 75 pounds. So here this little guy packs on almost half or at, at least half his body weight and rejoices over the sheep that he's found. You've searched tirelessly, who knows how long. The sheep is surely nasty and dusty. He has caused the shepherd pain and anguish and embarrassment. And yet this little man, in today's terms at least, put the sheep, which is about half the body weight, and brings him home. Now, I have to stop right here and say that this is exactly what Jesus has done for us. The, the, the love of Jesus that searches out the lost. The love of Jesus that finds us in our mess, in our dirty, in our filthiness with, of the world. He comes and he lifts us up out of our own, off of our own race, out of our own, our own path that was leading to inevitable doom and destruction that was going to kill us. And he lifts us and puts us onto his shoulders and he rejoices over us. This is the gospel. Jesus sought us to the point of the cross. We were not only wandering sheep, but we were the enemies of our Lord, filthy with our own sin. And he lifted us up upon his shoulders, cleaning us and taking us, taking upon our filth upon him and placing his righteousness upon us. Jesus is the good shepherd who has sought us and bore our filth. And yet he rejoices when he finds us. This beloved is the gospel. Which brings us to our next point, celebrate. He celebrates. He, he puts them on his shoulders, brings them back. He rejoices. And then it says, verse 6, And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Now, the, the, chef, the, the Pharisees here are still, at this point, thinking mighty big of themselves. They're saying, yeah. You know, if I'm got to be the lowliest of the, the man's occupation, the shepherd, I'm, I'm going to be the best dang thing that since, since David himself. right? I'm going to be the best. And not only am I going to get him and I'm going to rejoice over him, I'm going to be so good that I'm going to come back to all these people that look down upon me and I'm going to call them all to the town square. And I'm going to talk with them and show them about tell them what happened. Now, this would have been completely opposite to the normal cultural norm of a, of a shepherd. Normally, shepherds were grumpy and unsocial, and yet this shepherd was joyous and celebrating with people of the town. Not only, but not only, not alone, but with all of them. He says, "Rejoice with me, for I have found the sheep that was lost." The Pharisee at this point of the story are feeling so good about themselves. Jesus opened. 
comparing these men to shepherds, which they hated, but now they're thinking, man, I'm the best. Even if I had to be the worst, I'm going to be the best of the worst, right? They're thinking, I'm going to be the biggest and the best one that has ever lived. Well, here's the problem. We get to the explanation. Look with me at verse 7. Now, just so. Now, what he does by saying just so, he's taking us out of the parable and into the explanation into real life. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Now Jesus has trapped them. Jesus had drawn them into the story, making them think that they were the shepherd. Not realizing that really they were the 99 righteous persons that stayed behind. The 99 righteous persons that grew up as children of God. They grew up as God's people. And yet, when God stood before them, they said, he, he, they told him that he was Beelzebub. They trapped him. No, remember, remember, why were these Pharisees grumbling at Jesus? This man receives sinners and eats with them. And now, he says, there will be more joy in heaven over one what? Sinner. Who repents. So now that the script has completely been flipped. Now he, he's explaining to them, yes, absolutely. You, your accusation is that I have come to be with sinners. Your accusation has come that, I've, I've, I'm, that people that are coming to me aren't worthy. Guess what, Pharisees? You got it. That was my purpose. I came to be with the lowly, the works. I came to be with sinners. Righteous people don't need help. The, 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 those who are, are good don't need a physician, but those who are sick. And he says here, this flies in the face of the, everything that they were thinking of. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. The very reason Jesus came, the very thing that brings heaven joy, we're going to see, these religious leaders were grumbling about. He ends. And verse 7 says, Then over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Now he's saying this tongue in cheek. The righteous person, when we, when we read the Bible, what we know, let me, let me backtrack a bit, what we know is in and of ourselves, none are righteous. Right? Romans chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 2, over and over and over again, we see that none are righteous, no, not one. And yet Jesus here says, he, he, there's more rejoicing over the one sinner than over the 99 righteous person. Listen, Jesus came for the poor, the sick, and the hurting. If you think you have everything figured out, you need to remember that it is God who made us right. And apart from him, we can never be right. Apart from Christ making us right, we're in with the, the Pharisees. J.C. Ryle said, says that the point of this parable and all three of these parables is to, to exhibit the love and mercy of Christ towards sinners. Which brings us, at 10 minutes, that would be enough time, it brings us to our second parable, the lost coin. Now I'll go through this quickly because it's really the same exact parable. It's told a little bit differently. The lost coin. And we're going to see the first one is lost. Or what woman? Now remember he told this right after the first parable. And he implied that, it so implied is the same words that opened the last one. What man of you? 
Oh, what would be being a woman? Now, you thought, they thought they were offended before. They thought they were offended by the lowest of the occupation that a man could be. In that day, to be called a woman was unbelievable. I mean, they would, they would have been just falling on their back, uh, offended at this. In that day, these men, this, this would have been a grave insult, and that alone would have given them cause to want to kill Jesus. The very thought, of, according to the legalism, would have defiled them. But they can they can get behind the subject matter. What's the subject matter? Money. Pharisees loved their money. What woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one? Now, this is a familiar amount, amount of money. This is a fair amount of money. This is ten days' wages. So this we can all get behind this. It doesn't really matter what how much it was back then. Just get into that today's 10 days wages in your savings account. Now you lose 10% of that. That's a fair amount of money to lose. If, if that's all you have in your bank is 10 days wages and your, your savings gets cut by 10%, you're going to be fretting too. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to want to go and find it. And these Pharisees with their love of money, you're absolutely, that's what they're going to do. So we get to our second point, salt. If she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house, seek diligently until she finds it. The Pharisees with their love of money, and so they, they, they got it wrong with the last parable, who they thought they were, but come on, man. Now they've got to be this woman who searches for money because they love their money. They were the tightest of the tight. They were Brother Tony uh, from New Brandenburg would have, would have called me a two-bit Charlie. Right? They were the cheapest of the cheap of people. And so they would have been, they would have said, yes, I, I got to be this person. I'm, we're going to be the good person in this parable now. So this woman who has lost her coin, she is going to, to tear apart her house looking for it because it has value to her. There's no way that this woman would allow her money to disappear. She would search until it's found because of what? It has value. I want to imagine for a second. You're getting ready to move. You pack up all your stuff, you put it into a suitcase, and you go, you get, you've set aside all the things you need, and you go and you get 300 miles away, you're moving cross country, you get 300 miles away to your first hotel, and you realize you don't have a jacket that you set aside. What do you, well, you set it aside so it's not in there, it's not gonna be in the U-Haul, it's just gone. What do you do? Most of us would just go out and buy a new jacket. I'd find the first goodwill I could find, and I'd get me a cheap jacket, right? And I'd be done with it. Why? Because the jacket doesn't have that much value to me. Now, same situation. You're, you're packing everything up. Let's say you took your wedding ring off, and you set it on the counter while you're cleaning, because you didn't want it to get ruined, or you didn't want to bleach or whatever to get under it. I don't know. I don't clean very much. But let's say you did that, and you left it on the, the, the side, and then you get to that first stop 300 miles away and you realize you don't have your wedding ring on, what do you do? You're either gonna, one, call someone who has the ability to get in there and get your wedding ring, or you're gonna turn around and drive 300 miles back to get your wedding ring. Why? Because your wedding ring has value. What this parable is showing us is that the coin, the sheep, and then next week the son has value to our Heavenly Father. The, the, the people of God that God has come to, to get, the sinners that are in their sin, have value to our Heavenly Father. 
bring us to our next point. It's actually going to be two points in a row. Found and celebrated. They don't really, this is compacted into one. Verse 9. And when she has found it, there you found, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Let's go back. So the, why, were, why is she so happy about it? Why is she so thrilled? Because she found that which meant something to her. That which has value. She calls all her girlfriends over. She says, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I've lost. Similarly to the story, it's very understandable. It, they get it. They, these Pharisees place value on money itself. We're going to see in a moment exactly what Jesus does. As we get to our last point, I told you we're going quick. Explanation and the, or the theology of explanation. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, if we go back to the other one, it's worded a little bit differently. The, over there it says, verse 7, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. So the first one, he gives a grand scale and shows us that all of heaven rejoices. All the angels, all God, all the Trinity, all, all of heaven will rejoice when they see a sinner turn to God and repent. But here, he says it a little bit differently. He says that there will be his joy before the angels of God one sinner who repents. Now, who's before the angels of God? It's God himself. He's telling us that God himself is filled with joy when people repent and turn to him. Praise God for that. The God of the universe who created every last thing in all the cosmos has joy when you turn to Christ. And joy when you come to Him. He loves His people. It says in Zephaniah, He will shout and sing over us with joy. Oftentimes when we think about God, we, we, we overlook the joy of the Lord. But it's, it's the, the turning and the repentance of sinners that brings God joy. Now as we close it's far too often we get caught up in doing church. We forget that we, what we should, should bring God's children, that's us, joy, is the same thing to bring God himself joy. We're put here in Battletown, Kentucky, that sinners would hear the gospel and repent. We are placed here in this place, in this moment, to bring a gospel to people who don't know him. That means we're going to go and we're going to talk to people that are going to reject us. We're gonna, we need to go and be talking to people that will say, what, what do you mean you believe in God? What do you mean you believe that this, this is the only way to heaven? What do you mean you believe that apart from Jesus, no one can get to the Father? That makes a very clear divide. That makes a divide between you and other people. And yet we are to bring that to them. Why? Because it brings our Lord, our Heavenly Father, joy. And that which brings God joy should bring us joy. Let this message call us back 
and reorient ourselves individually and our church to the, the, the reality that we are here to go out and tell people about the love of Jesus, about the love of God, and that He has come to save sinners. Praise God. Let's go to Lord. Father, we thank you that you love us. That you love us beyond what we can do ourselves. That you love us of no worth of our own, but merely that we come, we repent, we trust in you. Father, I do pray that you would call this church to be a church that loves you, loves the things that you love, and that calls people to repentance and faith. That calls sinners to turn to Christ for their own help. It's in your precious Son's name, my friend. Amen.